Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Somebody worship him. Come on, that feels good. Let's give God some praise. Come on, that feels good in the house of the Lord. Let's give him great praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let everything, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. If you're breathing, you got to praise in your spirit. If you're alive today, you got to praise to give to God. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Feels good in the house of the Lord. Man, I like what I feel. Man, I love when God starts moving and people start moving with God. It's a great connection. Amen. There's an ebb and a flow to worship. The praises go up and the blessings come down. Amen. When our praises go up, the Spirit of the Lord descends into His people. Amen. He inhabits, the Bible says, the praises of His people. And so we are experiencing, amen, a holy habitation every time that we worship the Lord. So there's nothing like praising God together with God's people. Amen? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, the book of Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. I want to say it's good to have Brother Brennan in the house of the Lord with us again today. Amen. Got to work on the weekends, but he's, he's able to make it on some of these Wednesday nights, so it's good to see him. Jesus' name, we baptized him a couple Wednesdays ago, and thankful for what the Lord's doing in, in his life. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. The Bible says this, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly. Everybody say inwardly. On the outside, they look just like us. On the outside, they look just like you. Amen. We are the sheep of his pasture. But inwardly, because that's what really matters, inwardly they are ravening or starving wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do, gen do men gather grapes of thorns? Or figs of thistles? No. You go to the grapevine to find grapes. You don't go to the thorn bush to find grapes. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Jesus is using this analogy of agriculture for us to understand that you cannot produce oranges from an apple tree. <laughs> Amen. You've got to have the root system be right. Hallelujah. He said, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And he continues on. One of the most serious passages of Scripture. But within its context, that's what he's, what he's talking about. Amen. Bearing good fruit. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Amen. And I, I'm going to continue on. We're almost done with this series, but we're going to continue on Holy Habits Part 14. I'm going to talk to us tonight on fruit inspection. Fruit inspection. Would you set down your Bibles? As we pray all across this building that God would speak to our hearts and to our minds. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the presence that we feel in this place. Jesus, I'm believing and I'm trusting in you, God, that we are going, we are going to produce the right fruit. That even tonight, God, we're planting the right seeds into our life that will produce the right kind of fruit. Jesus, we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Yeah, fruit inspection. In this portion of Scripture, Jesus is warning us to be cautious of false, prophet, of false prophets who may look like they produce good fruit, but in reality, the fruit that they are producing, the end result that they produce, is bad. He reminds us that we can recognize these false prophets by their fruit, just as we can recognize a good tree by its fruit. We can recognize an apple tree because it produces apples. Amen. What comes out of that tree lets you know what kind of tree it is. The first step of combating false prophets is the words that Jesus spoke. He said, beware. That literally means to be aware of, cognizant of, to be cautious and conscientious of. We must accept that false prophets are in the world spreading their, mass, their message all the way through the masses. It is something we must accept as a reality. In fact, the Bible warns us in the last days that deceivers are going to multiply, that the deception is going to run so rampant, and uh, that the Bible says that if, it's even, if it were possible, that even the very elect might become deceived. Now, the Bible says, if it's possible. Now, I want to tell you, I don't want it to be possible in my life to become deceived. There are people that have left the door open for a possibility to be deceived, and it becomes a possibility because they've left that door open. But when you start shutting the doors in your life and you start recognizing uh, that there is, in fact, false preaching, false teaching in the world, we become open to the reality that it is happening, and we start locking down the doors and windows of our life. Amen. False prophets are spreading their message to the masses. We find false prophets come, and they do four different things. Number one, false prophets are aggressive. The Bible says they come to you. I want you to know that deception is not waiting for you to come to it. It will chase you down. It will come to you. Number two, it is deceptive. The Bible says that false prophets appear in sheep's clothing. He's not talking about in context if it shows up 
uh, amongst other beings. It shows up in the shepherds, uh, in, in the farm. It shows up in the pasture amongst other sheep. It doesn't come in like a wolf. It comes in dressed like a sheep. It wants to fit in, but it's not really a sheep. Because inwardly, the Bible says, number three, it's destructive because it's a ravenous, hungry, starving predator wolf. And finally, ultimately, the number four thing that's going to be a, des a descriptor of a false prophet is ultimately the end result. They will be destroyed. In fact, not only will they be destroyed, everyone that follows them. The Bible talks about the beast and the false prophet will be thrown into the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This scripture tells us that they are cut down and they are burned with fire. Now, this is something where we go, well, we're in church today, Pastor. What does that have to do with me? Well, we've got to beware and be aware of false prophets. We often interpret this to mean that we should beware of religious fanatics that are dressed in robes, wandering the streets of our cities, holding picket signs. We often interpret this to mean that we should beware of the megachurch that's live streaming every day what they're saying, but the truth is it's not real. We use this uh, to beware of, of, of those that are cults and those that are drawing people to live in a commune out in the middle of the wilderness. I, I think that we should be aware of those things as well. We should. I, I, we should not close our eyes or our ears, amen, to recognizing that that deception is being propagated to the masses via those voices. But this idea, this concept Jesus is bringing of false prophets, this deception Jesus is referring to, is a much more universal problem than just a religious guru. It's more than just a preacher on TBN. It's more than a, a, a radical cleric of another uh, religion. It's more than a man deciding he's going to start his own religion because he wrote a bunch of science fiction novels. And he's going to get some, some famous people to follow him. Man, this is more than just watching out for Scientology. False prophecy is working overtime on all fronts in the last days. We must, as the church, open our eyes and be aware of false prophets. We must be aware that there is an enemy both externally and internally. Deception is a wolf dressed up as a sheep. It is a Trojan horse. It will appear harmless. It will come in harmless form that we willingly accept as if it were our own. It can come through social media. Deception and false prophets come through, through friendship. They come through public opinion. They come through news outlets. They come through new age ideology. They come from philosophy. They come from professors at the college. They come through social justice. They come through politics. They come through opinions. They come through spiritual attacks. They come under the, the guise of equality or another virtue. Amen. And even this idea of, of false prophets and deception can come in the guise of our own thoughts and our own emotions. Beware of false prophets. How do, we, how do we find ourselves and how do we get ourselves to be aware? Number one, 
We do that by paying attention to the fruits that are being produced. Because when we look at the fruits, we know what the root is. When we look at the fruit that is produced, we can trace it all the way back to its genome, to its genesis, and we can find out what is really the root. When harvest time comes, the fruit shows what type of tree it really is. Now, there's people, they are so slick. Amen. In fact, this is the danger of false prophets is they pull you in with a sweet-sounding message. They pull you in with something that you, they, they, the reason they dress in sheep's clothing is to diffuse you to the deception. They want you to think that I'm just like you. I think like you. I act like you. We're all the same. And then we start thinking, well, if we're the same, then we might as well do what they're doing. This is the danger of false religion. Some people say, well, and this is, this is the one of the reasons the apostolic church has got to stay apostolic. Because we start acting more and more like every other church, the next generation rises up and says, well, what's the difference between us and them? And before it's all said and done, they are listening to their podcast, and they are listening to their teaching, and they are being indoctrinated with things that are not found in the Word of God, and they're being indoctrinated with philosophies of men and cunning craftiness of the adversary because we have not made a difference between us. And false religion. Church, we've got we've to remain, amen, the way that God has created us. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that he brought forth trees bearing fruit after its kind. That the seed would be inside of the fruit, amen, so that every time that the apple tree produced, it produced an apple. And when that apple started to die, amen, there was a seed inside of it. But it wasn't an orange seed, it was an apple seed, which means it should propagate and it should produce more apple trees and more apples. Amen. Apostolic Revival Center. We should be producing more of what we are and not more of what the world is. We were baptized in Holy Ghost fire, and the Holy Ghost fire has got to be baptized on the next generation. We were baptized in Holy Ghost-filled prayer meetings. I don't want Jesus to show up and the church be dead and dry and no prayer happening. This church was started on repentance and on holiness. I don't want to see Jesus come back and him look for his church, but we're producing another fruit than that which Jesus put in us. Oh, somebody clap your hands and let's give Jesus some praise. Man, we got to beware of false prophets that enter into the kingdom. They come in either externally or internally, and they diffuse us because we think, well, what's the difference? There's a big difference. Just because somebody reads out of a Bible doesn't mean they're reading, uh, they're, they're preaching doctrine. Hallelujah. Just because their just because their sign says church doesn't mean it's a church. Just because they're like, man, we have church on Sunday too, doesn't mean that they are abiding by the word of God. And we've got to be, we've got to be really conscientious because there are entire uh, entire groups right now that are just uh, that are just humanistic centers with a cool logo. We ought to have, I think we have a cool logo, but we're not humanistic because our doctrine is different. Amen. They're just, they're just humanists with a cool website. They've got songs singing about Jesus, 
But, but really, when you boil it down, even the songs are really talking about you. Every sermon's about you. It's humanism. The end result of man is man. That is, that is not in the word of God. The end result of man is the glory of God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in the last days that, that, that men shall be lovers of their own selves. What do you think false prophets are going to push towards? They're going to push towards things that make people love themselves more, make people feel good about themselves, make people want to, to just serve themselves. But when you come into the true church, when you come to the apostolic church, we tell you that you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after him. Amen. That, that you, must, you and I must decrease so that Jesus might increase. It is an upside-down kingdom. It is a kingdom that says in order to get your life, to gain your life, you must lose your life. Hallelujah. you got to lose your life in order to find your life in Jesus. Amen. you got to go down in order to go up. you got to repent. you got to die in order to live. This kingdom is completely opposite of what the flesh wants. When dealing with an individual that's propagating an idea, we must look at several things. Number one, we look at their manner of living. Number two, we look at the content that is being issued. Number three, we look at the end result of that content. Listen, we are living in the information age. Information, right now, if I asked you to Google anything, it'd be, it'd be there faster than the sermon will be done. Amen. You can find the answer to just about anything. In fact, you can find an answer, whatever answer you want. It's no longer just giving you facts and truth. It's giving you, uh, it's giving you propaganda that's personalized. In fact, it's got an algorithm finding out exactly what you've been Googling for the last six months, and it could probably tell you what color you are, how old you are, what your gender is, and what you voted for. Because these algorithms are figuring people out. And now it's presenting to you more information according to what you want to hear. The Bible says in the last days, men will be, be looking for teachers, amen, having itching ears. They're saying, just tell me what I want to hear. I want to tell you, people think that, that the false prophet and the teachers they're looking for is going to be some uh, mega church pastor out there uh, who, who's just living an immoral lifestyle. And that might be true, but the truth is, it's probably Google. I'm not against Google. I use Google. But what I'm saying is, is that people are going to say, well, I want to know about this. And they go Google. And when they don't like the answer, they change the way that the question is worded till they find an answer they want. You know, you can get on Google and find out that bee pollen is really good for you. You can. And then you can type it differently and find out it's really damaging to your health. Just depending on what you want to hear, what you want to know. You can get on Google and find out Jesus actually rose from the dead. Or you can get on Google and find out it's all just a false, uh, false teaching. I mean, that it didn't really happen. You can get on there and you can find out whatever you want to find out. People have itching ears. The Bible says they're ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Because we've got so much information and yet we're not learning from it. Amen. In fact, one of the Marxist socialist ideologies, you can find this, uh, Nazi Germany did this. You can find Russia did this. Other, uh, Paul Pot did this. You can find all sorts of things. Was when you can't control the information, you overload with information. When you can't control what people think, you just overload them with too much where they can't think. Oh, hallelujah. And the danger in our society is we're being inundated with so much false thinking and false teaching that we don't know what truth is anymore. But I want to tell you that we've got an unchanging word. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. 
Listen, I come to Bible study not just so I can say I'm part of a social club, but because I want somebody to stand up and tell me the truth, not a truth, not another truth, the truth, so I can get a hold of it. A truth that endures to all generations. Man, let's take this, let's take this idea and let's boil it down. How do, we, how do we deal with false prophets and deception? Let's take Hollywood, for example. This is what I'd consider an external false prophet. Nope, it doesn't say clergy in front of its name. It doesn't have REV in front of its name. It doesn't have PhD following its name. But Hollywood is a false prophet. Let's look at the lifestyle. The lifestyle of the ones producing the content is far from Jesus. The content, let's talk about the content for a minute, of Hollywood is anti-family, anti-morals, anti-biblical, and ultimately it's anti-Christ. Now, it was men that prayed and fasted and sought God that discovered this well before it had ripped off its sheep clothing and just showed its true nature. But I want to tell you, church, the devil is not masquerading anymore. The devil is not masquerading anymore. He's taken off the sheep's garment. In fact, he just wants you, I am a wolf, but now nobody's scared of wolves. Man, I, I actually went and uh, stayed with somebody in Colorado. They had domesticated a wolf. Now, that's good for them, but I, I'm just waiting for the bad news because eventually it's inside the nature of that wolf to fight and to attack. I mean, there's people who become so comfortable with the devil Amen. They don't have any desire to cast the devil out because they're so busy living with him. In fact, you go back to the book of Genesis, it became a problem. The serpent was a beast of the field, and God had given Adam dominion over every beast of the field. My question is, what was a beast of the field doing in the garden? How is it that that serpent was all of a sudden acceptable in the garden and it was comfortable to have him around the garden? Amen. I want to tell you what Adam should have done. He should have taken dominion and kicked that serpent back out into the wilderness. Mom and dad, it's not time to capitulate. And, well, the kids, they need it because their friends have it. No, they don't need it. Amen. We've done just fine without all this mess. It's time to kick the serpent out. Instead of making the wolf feel comfortable, the serpent feel comfortable, we ought to make Jesus feel comfortable. We put prayer meetings out of the house and brought Hollywood into the house. We have, we have, put, we have put all of God's word. Amen. People are all, all up in arms. They want to pick it. Oh, they took prayer out of the schools. I'm not worried about prayer in the schools. I have a problem when people take prayer out of the home. It got out of the home before it ever got out of the schools. Amen. The word of God, well, I, they took the Ten Commandments down from the state capitol. I want to tell you the Ten Commandments have been broken in every home across this city. Amen. Before they ever ripped it down from the capitol. Because revival doesn't start in the capitol. Revival starts in the home. It starts with the individual. Amen. So we look at even something like Hollywood. I'm just using this as an example because you could take this and apply it to anything. I mean, you could look at anybody, you could look at any movement, and you can start looking at it. Okay, let's look at, the, look at the lifestyle. Let's look at the NBA. Let's look at the lifestyle of the NBA. The, the, the drug use is through the roof. The crime rate is through the roof. You look and you go, and this is what we tell our kids, this should be your hero and your role model. 
they've got they've got kids out of wedlock from all sorts of different people and and it's just oh this is a big deal but because they're good at uh, bouncing a ball and putting it through a hoop uh, and we're entertained by it all of a sudden we should now accept it but yet we're telling kids it's okay put this on your wall you should look up to that person but they have no morals they have no ethics i want to tell you that's not somebody to look up towards So how do I live that in my, pro, in my Christianity? I'm not buying the merchandise. I'm not watching it. I'm not going to it. I'm not, because I don't support that. Amen. I'm not just ranting here tonight. I'm trying to actually teach something. The end result of the content Hollywood is putting out, let's look at it. Is the world more, is, is America, let's take America. Is America having more Christian values or less since the advent of Hollywood. There is a correlation here. It's a lot less. Amen. Is the family more united or more divided? Is the, fa- is, is, is the society more biblical or less biblical? Is it more family-oriented or less family-oriented? Is it more like Jesus or is it less like Jesus? What are we doing? We're investigating. We're going on this journey. We're, we're CSI. We're investigating some stuff right now. And we're following that fruit all the way back down. And we're recognizing the root was never good. Hallelujah. And this is what's powerful about people that pray is they don't have to wait for the fruit to be produced. Amen. They pray about it. And God says, uh, amen, there's something bad about that root. You don't need to follow that direction. This is what I appreciate about good elders. Good elders had enough sense to pray about it before they involved themselves in it. And they asked themselves questions we don't ask ourselves today. What will this produce in a couple years? Before we send our kids off to this, before we let them uh, learn all this, before we let them be entertained by all of this, before I put a cell phone in the hands of a little kid, amen, before I put an iPad in front of them without supervision, amen, where is this going to lead in a couple of years? And older generations had asked the question, what will this produce? But nowadays, we are, we are getting all the way down where now kids are 15, 16 years old, and we can't control them. We don't know what to do. Amen. But if we were to trace the fruit all the way back, it goes back to some of these very simple things. Let me just say this. I, I, just, I just watched a thing today where they said that one of the number one ways that pornography is being propagated upon, upon this next generation is YouTube kids. Genuinely, go look it up for yourself. You can Google it and find out if the pastor's lying. YouTube kids. Because it's saying, in fact, even on, even on our church thing, it says, is this being produced for children? And we can select, yes, it's being produced for children, even if it's not. Here's the deal, though. There's all sorts of cartoons and anime and things that, like, that look like they're for kids. And so when the parent walks by, they think, oh, it's just a kid's thing. And it just continues to go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Amen. But what you don't know is it's not really what it says it is. It's just a cartoon, but it's not a good kind of Well, and years later, the fruit will come out. Let me just say this. I'm I'm trying to help. I'm I'm also going to pastor. For the person who says, well, my kid needs a cell phone. Well, do they really? Did you need one? (laughs) Well, what if I need to get a hold of them? Well, don't all their friends have cell phones? Call their friends. You need to get a hold of me? You call me from your friend's cell phone. <laughs> well, praise God. Because really, when we look at it, the fruit is not, is not turning out very well. Let's be real. I know a lot of adults that can't handle a cell phone, let alone 
a prepubescent adolescent, amen, that doesn't know right from wrong, brain is still developing, and, and hours and hours are spent on TikTok and Instagram, and it's propagating depression, it's propagating suicide, it's propagating pornography, it's propagating all sorts of false ideologies, and if we were to follow the, the root all the way to the fruit, amen, we're, we're seeing a generation that is falling away from God, amen, that's more mentally dis- disturbed and more mentally, amen, fighting than any other generation. Why is it that all of a sudden depression has become such a buzzword and suicides become such a in vogue thing? I want to tell you what it is. We've got to follow it all the way down. Got to follow it down because the, the fruit is not good. Amen. Which means the root's not good, which means we need to uproot some things. Let's talk about the social warrior, for example. This is a false ideology. The lifestyle can be whatever you want as long as you virtue signal to show your superiority. What does this look like? It's the bumper sticker life. Coexist. BLM. Rainbows. I stand with Ukraine. Now, I'm not saying all some of these I might stand against and publicly stand against, but there's others I, I don't really care. It's, it's, it does, it's immaterial. But it's to, to virtue signal is to say, I am morally superior because I have told you I stand for something. But none of them are going to Ukraine right now. <laughs> well, and, it's, and, and, and none of them are looking to fight against Russia right now. And, and, but, but I want you to feel like because I have put my picture on Facebook with a nice little uh, thing over it. Now, all of a sudden, I am morally superior. Let's follow this, this, this logic down for a moment. The content is mostly anti-biblical rhetoric. Doesn't matter what you're talking about. It's, it's even, again, if, if it's one group, it's now pitting one group against another. And it's now trying to prove some level of superiority. In fact, the end result of that content, it doesn't change anything. Even if it's a good thing that we should be fighting for and a good thing we should be pressing towards, amen, that social warrior is not actually making a difference. But they want everybody to think that they're making a difference. Amen. So what's the end result of that content? Nothing changed. Where's the fruit? There is none. All it did was destroy current systems, but it didn't have the ability to build a better one. This means the fruit of this social warrior is destructive in nature. Amen. Just be careful because we've got to beware of these things in our generation. These are things that are going on right now. Let's talk about this. Take that quote on Facebook, for example. Don't cross oceans for someone that wouldn't cross a puddle for you. Sounds cute, right? Unfortunately, that's anti-biblical. If they ask you to go one mile, you go two. That's what Jesus said. How about those propagating that you should speak your truth as if truth is subjective? This is false philosophy. It is leading us to be less like Christ, not more like Christ. The fruit is not good. Amen. Those can be easier to spot because they are external. But what, what about dealing with the internal false prophet? The world says, follow your heart. But Jeremiah proclaimed that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our thoughts and our emotions will deceive us. 
Amen. Our thoughts and our emotions will cause us to get offended and bitter. Amen. When God has called us to be forgiving and merciful. I want to help us here today about an internal false prophet that shows up in sheep's clothing. Offense is a false prophet. Amen. Church hurt. That's a big buzzword right now. Church hurt is a false prophet. Amen. It means I can leave Jesus because somebody in the church hurt me. No, listen, I don't think that the church should hurt anybody. But at the end of the day, the church, amen, crucified Jesus. We ought to we ought to remember Jesus died for us. He loves us. He cares about us. Uh, amen. This is a false prophet saying, well, I am within, I am within my rights, uh, amen, to be judgmental. I am within my rights to be bitter. I am within my rights to be offended. I am within my rights to leave and to never go back. If I feel uncomfortable, I need a safe space. I got to get out of this. I want to tell you, that's a false prophet, and it's internal. Bitterness is a false prophet, because if you follow the root, it leads you out of church. It leads you away from God. For everyone that said, well, I was hurt by the church, so they leave Jesus. I got a question for you. What did Jesus ever do to you? Well, I, uh, brother so-and-so did X, Y, and Z. Well, okay, great. What about the other 75 people? Well, <laughs> Because people want to use that and say, well, and if we follow the route, I've not seen anybody leave, leave church and get better. Now, I've seen them leave church and maybe work a little more. I've seen them leave and maybe come back with a little more toys. But I've not seen anybody leave church and get better because at the end of the day, they left a family of like-minded believers that were constantly working with them as they walked on that narrow path together, amen, encouraging them to be better, amen. But they left with their bitterness, and before it's all said and done, that bitterness, that fruit, when it's finally produced, it's not good. I, I, I won't go into much details, but I, my sister and my brother-in-law left church. Because they got bitter. And if you really knew the story, it was over something so minuscule. The church did a, a cleaning day, and we had a lost and found. And they threw away a coat. They didn't throw it away. They gave it to Goodwill. And it was like, well, uh, they should have asked us first. We had announced it for like six weeks. And they left church over that. And everything seemed like their life was just no, no big deal. Everything was fine. And you follow it down 20-something years later. And everything is finally collapsing and falling apart. I'm not gloating about that. That's my, that's my family. I love my family. But they, for years, everything was perfect. Everything was good. But when you follow that, what that little bit of bitterness was not a big deal at the moment. I want to tell you what it did is it got down into their root system and it started pulling them apart and their lives started collapsing. I want to help us here today. We've got to be careful because bitterness will cause us to miss out on the plan of God. Bitterness will cause people that had a ministry to lose that ministry. Amen. I, I want to help us here today that temptation is a false prophet as well. People that all of a sudden, well, I just wanted to. It felt good. It seemed good. Temptation's a false prophet. Amen. It'll make you think that there's no consequences, but you follow it. It's a trap. It's a snare. It won't lead you towards God. It'll lead you away from God. So when we look at the fruit, what is the fruit of all these things, both externally and internally? It's not leading us towards God. It's leading us away from God. It's leading us further from Jesus. And so, ultimately, when we look at all of these different things, amen, it's not producing the right fruit. So how and what are we supposed to do with this? We are called to produce good fruit. You know, the Bible says we, we ought to know those that labor among us. Yes, we should know. We should know. When we get around each other, we should know. We should discern spirits. Amen. The Bible gives us that. The Holy Ghost gives us that gift, the discerning of spirits. But you know the first spirit that the, that the Holy Ghost, amen, helps us to discern? It's our own. 
the Holy Ghost, before it convicts you about somebody else, oh, that she had a spirit of Jezebel. Listen, it'll tell you, amen, you got a critical spirit. <laughs> and you need to pray through. And the Holy Ghost will start dealing with you because God is interested in cultivating your soil so you have good fruit. We must be aware of others. Yes, that's in the Bible. But we must also inspect our fruit as well. UC Davis says there's four traits of good quality fruit. Number one, maturity. Number two, firmness and texture. Number three, uniformity of size and shape, which means it developed as expected or as it's supposed to. And number four, absence of defects. As Christians, we are called to produce good fruit in our lives. What does it mean to produce good fruit? It means living a life that reflects the character of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Our love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Amen. The Bible says, against such there is no law. Amen. You, which means you can love as much as you want to love. You can be as kind as you want to be. You can be as patient as you want to be. You can be as long-suffering as you want to be. When we live a life where we plant, where you don't just get the fruit of love just by showing up to church one day and, man, I got love. No, you start with a little seed and you plant it in that soil of your heart. Amen. Every time you come to church, what are we talking about even tonight? Amen. We're talking about uh, being, being self, having self-control because we could go out and we could watch everything in the world. We could do all sorts of things in the world. And while I preach this, I'm a sower going forth and sowing, throwing seeds of self-control. But you got to take that and let it be planted in your heart. And then you got to water it. And then you got to nurture it. And then you got to help it grow. And then you got to prune things. You got to pull weeds so it doesn't die. Amen. What does it look like? How do we do this? When we produce these fruits, we are living a life that honors God and blesses others. And this is the question I come to just really get through tonight. How is your, how is your fruit maturing? Amen. When you hear that, that word and you say, man, that was a good word, what'd you do with it? How is it maturing? Because no preaching... No teaching should ever just be like sunflower seeds where we just eat them. They're supposed to be planted. And they're supposed to be cultivated. Amen. I think we're in a danger as a church is where preaching and teaching has become entertainment. And we've got so excited about it. I, man, I love preaching. We're going to go men's conference tomorrow, and I'm going to hear some good preaching. I can't wait. But I'm not going to just munch on some, uh, some sunflower seeds. I'm not just going to, man, this is good. I can't wait to eat this and then get rid of it. No, I'm saying, Lord, every word that's preached, help it become part of who I am. How's your fruit maturing? How, is your, how firm is your faith? Is it shaky? Is it, is it unstable? How's your love developing? Is it developing in the way that you'd expect love to develop? Amen. And finally, how's... Are there any defects in your kindness? Amen. This is what UC Davis, how they inspect our fruits. we got to inspect our fruit here tonight. The importance of producing the right fruit cannot be overstated. In John 15 and 8, Jesus said, 
to this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Amen. Showing yourselves or proving that you are my disciples. There's a lot of people that want to claim that I'm a Christian. Amen. God bless you. I hope you are. But at the end of the day, Jesus said you're going to be a disciple of his when you bear much fruit. By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I want to tell you the church is going to be known as the church. We're going to be known as Jesus Christ. Not based on the sign, not based on the good mark, and I hope we have it, not based on social media. We try to do our best, amen, but it's going to be known based on how we love one another, how we treat one another in the house and out of the house. Amen. We got to have a good report with those that are within and those that are without. Amen. God help us. Uh, amen. That we don't just rub shoulders week by week with one another and we have potluck one with another. Amen. But when we go outside of these doors, uh, the city says, uh, those aren't very loving people. Those aren't very kind people. And let the reverse also not be true. Let us not be kind to everybody out there in the world, but treat one another like garbage. Uh, I want to tell you, we got to produce good fruit. Uh, we got to produce loving fruit, kind fruit. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. When, it, when we produce good fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, when we produce a life of good fruit, we produce a life that glorifies God. And it shows to the rest of the world that we are, in fact, disciples. The first time you see the word Christian in your Bible, the Bible says they called them Christian. If we have to proclaim to everybody else that we're Christians, we're probably not doing it very well. But when people can look at you and say, man, that's a Christian, they're a little different. And I, Listen, I think we, we are a little different. It's a good thing. We're a movable treasure. We should be different. Uh, but, but if you have to go in your work and say, uh, don't do this around me, I'm a Christian, no, let them be them, and you just live your Christianity, which means this. You tell the dirty joke, I don't laugh at it. In fact, I'm just going to leave the room. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm going to love you because I understand that's where you are. I, I have people uh, that used to do this at my jobs all the time. They would, they would drop all sorts of F-bombs, amen, and, and, and I would just... Wouldn't even wouldn't even phase me. I just keep on moving, keep doing my work until eventually they came by and they started seeing the fruit and they they said, "Well, I notice you never cuss," and I'm able to then share with them what Jesus Christ did for me and how I used to be. People are going to come by, and whether you inspect your fruit or not, there are people that are coming by inspecting your fruit. Your neighbor is inspecting your fruit. Your boss is inspecting your fruit. Your coworker is inspecting your fruit. Your spouse is, in, is inspecting your fruit. Your kids are inspecting your fruit. Your church is inspecting your fruit. You don't know it, but people are coming by, and, and they're pulling it off, and they're saying, mm. what, if, what happens if they eat and they go, this is great. Man, that's such a good, kind person. That's wonderful. What a great testimony. But what if they're like, man, that's so bitter. I want to be a, You ever been around somebody you just... Can't wait to get away from them. Everybody act holy for a minute. I know y'all are way more kind than I am. I'm the pastor, and I'm going to let you know there's some folks, I just, I don't want to get around them. Because, man, it's just like, it's like somebody hadn't taken out the trash in six months. Because their spirit just smells. They got rotten fruit. Hallelujah. And they, they, they've let bitterness infest them. And, and it's something about it. You just, man, it's just. 
But there's that other thing. You ever been around somebody that when they walk in the room, it just lights up? Man, I love people like that. I pray to God. I hope I, hope I can eventually become somebody like that. They don't even say a word, and man, they just walk in, and their smile just illuminates the room, and something about their presence comes in, and, and it's, it's like walking through the orchard, and you can just grab any fruit you want down. I want to tell you, church, that's what we need to be. But we don't get good fruit by planting bad seeds. Why did I talk about all that other stuff? I know it was a little difficult. I know it was a little, I was just using some examples. You can fill in the blank with all these other examples. But you can't have good fruit if you're constantly planting Hollywood and all this other junk. Because when you plant that, that's what's going to grow. The seeds that you plant are going to be produced. So how can we produce good fruit in our lives? We do so by staying connected to the true vine, which is Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 15 and verse 5. Amen. We must abide in him. And allow his spirit to work in us, transforming us from the inside out. We must be intentional about removing anything in our lives that hinders us from producing good fruit. Such as sinful habits, unhealthy relationships, certain things that we enjoy that maybe are not producing the right thing. You know, the Bible says laying aside every weight and sin that easily entraps us. Not everything's sinful. Not everything's going to send you to hell, but there's some things that are going to hold you back from producing good fruit. You know, sometimes, and I, I, I'm not really, I've become a little bit of a gardener in the last couple years. It's a great hobby, but, you know, I've learned it's not always the removing of things from the soil that makes a difference. Yes, you need to go out there multiple times a day, and you're going to have to weed. And pull stuff out. Amen. This is what we do in repentance. We pull things out. We say, God, forgive me. You start removing things from your home and removing things from your life and removing things from your daily routine. But in order for things to grow properly to the way that they are supposed to, you're going to have to add some nutrients back into the soil. Hallelujah. It's not enough just to repent and to remove things. we got to pray and add in prayer and add in the Word of God and add in preaching and add in church. Hallelujah, because I, I'm interested in producing good fruit, and it's going to take effort, and it's going to take work. It doesn't just happen. I've got to make sure I water it. I've got to make sure I nurture it. I've got to make sure I remove things out of the way and put good things in its place. Amen. So many people got the first act of Christianity right, which is the removing, the removal of sin. But there's got to be an addition of righteousness. Oh, I came out of drugs and came out of alcohol, but I got a question. Have you come into love yet? Have you come into kindness yet? Have you come into Christian maturity yet? Have you come into a prayer life yet? Amen. The question is, uh, amen, if I inspect my life, if I inspect the tree of my life, is it healthy? Is it got, does it have good root development? And what is it currently producing? Amen. What is it producing? Is the life that I'm living right now producing the fruit I want a couple years from now? Church, it would be a whole lot easier for me to get up on every Wednesday night and just shout and dance and huck a buck with you. I had the very option five years ago to do that. Amen. I'm just going to be very real. I had the option to do that. In fact, everybody told me, they said, brother, when you get there, you just get up and you just preach uh, prayer and revival. And I prayed, and God told me, you got to deal with the people first. You got to strengthen the people. 
So immediately, for the last five years, we're, we've been dealing on Christian character and personal development. And let me tell you, we could have swung from the proverbial chandeliers, amen, for five years. Uh, but instead, it was like, no, you need to go through, amen, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And you need to let people know that if they're not planting the right things and watering the right things, they won't get the right things. Uh, amen. We could have done all the easy route. But I want to tell you what we're going to get now, church. We planted the right seeds. We've been watering it. Amen. In five, ten years from now, amen, we're going to be a more loving church than we've ever been, a more giving church than we've ever been, a more kind church than we've ever been. Hallelujah. Your life's going to get better. Your family's going to get better. Everything's going to go because we're planting fruit. Amen. The question we ask ourselves tonight is, are my actions producing the fruits of a Christian? Are my thoughts producing a Christian? How about my conversation? Is my conversation producing a Christian? Or is it producing a gossip, a busybody? Are my relationships producing a Christian? You know that sometimes you've got to have certain relationships you've got to cut off. Because when you look at it long term, it's, this is not leading me closer to Jesus. You know, I, I said it already, but if it takes you out of church, it'll take you out of heaven. If it'll keep you out of church, it'll keep you out of heaven. If it'll keep you from praying, it'll keep you from heaven. If it'll keep you from the word of God, it'll keep you from heaven. There are so many things that if we, are, if we really look at it, we, we can say, man, you know what? I've had to do this before. This relationship as it currently is. Now, if we edit this relationship, it might still be fruitful. But as this relationship currently is, it is not leading me closer to Jesus. So we're going to have to take a pause because my relationship with Jesus is more important. The producing of fruit is more important. Well, maybe you can watch all sorts of stuff and do all sorts of things and still produce fruit. That has yet to be shown. Amen. But at the end of the day, uh, we don't know that for certain. I've not seen anybody be able to do it. But if, if you think you can do it, why don't you take a moment where you separate from it and say, all right, let's see what we can produce uh, without all that other junk. Amen. Well, let's see what we can produce uh, without involving and bringing all that other junk into our home. Uh, amen. Let's see what we can produce if instead of sitting down and watching Netflix for four hours, uh, amen, we brought a prayer meeting into our home. Uh, what would it produce? Am I bearing the fruit of God's glory? We got we to gotta be the fruit inspectors of our own lives. Am I more loving or am I less loving? Am I more kind or am I less kind? Am I more holy or am I less holy? Am I more spiritual or am I less spiritual? Am I more committed or am I less committed? And if, if we look at our lives and be very honest and say the actions I've been taking have made me less committed than I was a couple years ago, we need to change the, we need to change the fruit that we're producing. Amen. Somebody would say, well, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I believe you. But we're also going to see if you are. Does your lifestyle match your profession of faith? Does your lifestyle match your profession of faith? And I believe in revival. Okay. Well, I'll see you on Sunday. I'll see you at prayer meeting. I'll see you at church Bible study. I'll see you at church cleaning. I'll see you at outreach. Oh, no, I'm busy. Well, let's go back to the seed and let's find out if you really believe in all of that. Because everybody can profess with their mouth. He said, in the last days they shall say, Lord, Lord, making a profession with their mouth. There are a lot of people that can talk big fruit, 
and talk a big talk. But when the inspector comes by and looks for the fruit, he doesn't find any. Jesus came by a fig tree and he said, I want figs. There were none. And he cursed the fig tree that it should produce no further. The Bible tells us of a parable of a man that had a tree in a vineyard. And that tree would have been in the vineyard for years and had not produced fruit yet. And the owner of the vineyard came by to inspect the fruit. And when he saw there was no good fruit on it, he said, cut it down. Amen. But the, the husbandman, the, the man that was taking care of the garden, he said, give me just a little more time with it. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, as your pastor, I am in the business of God. Give me a little more time with him. Jesus is in the business of just give me a little more time with them. Amen. Let me work on them a little. Let me get them to the altar. Amen. Let me, let me, let me just baptize them with fire again. Amen. Let me just preach to them a little more. Let me just pray them through. He said, just give me a little more time. And if after that time's done, it has not produced the fruit you want it to, you come down and you cut it down. It's in your Bible. God help us. Somebody lift up your hands. I believe there's people in this building, you are producing good fruit. And God is helping us produce good fruit. Amen. And, and we will be known by our good fruit. But tonight, we've got to inspect it. In fact, let's stand all across the building and lift up our hands. God help us to inspect our fruit. Amen. Are the activities I'm involved in producing the life that I want in 10 years? Is it producing the eternity that I want? Are the relationships I have right now, amen, are they producing a Christian lifestyle? We've got to ask ourselves, does our lifestyle is the fruit we're producing match the profession? You ever seen something that's mislabeled? You think you're getting one thing and then you open it up, it's something totally different? Well, they, they have a word for that in, in social media. It's called catfishing. Got a lot of Christians catfishing Jesus. They show up to church, man, looking at Sunday finest, but come Monday morning, they're not a Christian. Man, God help us. Because they have a profession. I did all these mighty works and miracles in your name. Posted on social media for you, Lord. Had a great following, all these, whatever. And he's going to say these words. Depart from me, I never knew you. Now, we always quote that, read that out of the context of producing good fruit. But it is within the context of producing good fruit. Which means that their root system was not attached to the vine called Jesus. They were, they were producing fruit, but it was not attached to Jesus. You know that word new? Uh, I, I even said it on Sunday, the same word. Uh, Adam knew his wife, consummation, completion, finishing. But the other word is this. It is to know, to be certain of, to be sure of. He's saying, I wasn't sure what kind of fruit you were. You had apple tree written on your, on your, on your profile. <laughs> but when I got you, you were... You were just thorns and thistles. Amen. When you finally produced the fruit, it was not the fruit that I thought I purchased. And Jesus is going to say, listen, I planted a holy tree. I planted a blood-bought tree. 
I planted a loving tree. I planted a Christian. I planted an apostolic that worshiped. I, I, I planted all these good things. Uh, amen. But somewhere along the lines, uh, something else was planted in there as well. And it choked out the seed that I planted. And it grew up in its stead. I got trees in my backyard for the Diaz that I, I planted right near. the. I, I planted this one tree. And all of a sudden, I, I started seeing, I planted some stuff, and I started some, some flowers and some, 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 some sprigs start coming up. And I thought, finally, what I planted is coming up. Before it's all said and done, there was nice long thorns on this thing. Uh, it's apparently a local tree. In fact, the Brother Dixon has some in his, his house. That's probably where I got it from. No, I'm kidding. And I thought, man, great. Look how fast this thing's growing. Woo! Look how exciting this is. Man, until... It started really showing its true colors. And now I have to try to pull it up, but every time I try to pull it up, it starts stabbing me. And then I got to dig around, and the root system so far down, I pull it up, and I realize finally I got it out of the way. But I lost what I had planted because I, I let this thing grow too long. There are people right now that God planted good things in your life, but you've let some other things grow too fast and too long. That if you're not careful, the Bible is talking about that the cares of this life will choke the word, chokes the seed. God, I want to produce good fruit. I got good news for you tonight. Even if some bad things have been planted in our life, or we've allowed some bad things to be planted in our life, we have time to uproot them right now. If you say, well, man, the fruit I'm eating right now from my life is kind of bitter, it's kind of sour. I don't really like it. The beautiful thing about the altar is you can come to the altar and you can uproot that stuff through the power of the Holy Ghost and you can let God start planting some new stuff. Jesus said you can't have good fruit being produced by an evil tree. Amen. And this is why the Bible says, amen, the axe is laid to the root. God doesn't go for the fruit. He doesn't just look at what the fruit is. He, he'll inspect it. But when he realizes it's not the right fruit, he grabs an axe and he says, all right, let's start digging this stuff up because this is not producing in you what I want it to produce. The good news is we've got time to uproot and to replant. Let's lift up our hands all across this building. Come on, if you don't like where your life is at right now, follow the fruit all the way down to the root, and you'll find there's some things that you've planted. There are some habits you have. There are some things you've been involved in, some people you've communicated with, some, some relationships you've kept too long. Amen. There's some things you're going to have to remove and uproot through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and maybe it's just that there's nothing being produced. Amen. Tonight's a great night to say, Lord, would you plant your word so deep down in my heart, God, that it produces good things. Oh, God, I pray in Jesus' name. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Amen. Tonight, we're coming to the altar as fruit inspectors uh, to say, Lord, inspect me. God, show me what's going on. Uh, if there's some things in my life, uh, some things in my family, some things in my home that don't need to be there, God, show it to me. Or God, if I'm growing some good things and God, I, I need it to produce faster, would you show me what it's going to take to help the good things be produced faster? Is there some things I got to add into my life? I got to add a prayer meeting. I got to add a worship session. I, I've got to add another church service. I've got to add these things so that I can produce good fruit. Come on. 
Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by some things that have been planted in your life. Amen. When you really look at it, it's not producing what you want it to produce. So you might as well uproot that through repentance and plant something new in its place. Come on, in the name of Jesus, let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, that hobby, is it really producing good things in your life? Is that habit really producing good things in your life? Is it producing a Christian out of you? Come on, is that music on your Spotify, is that really producing a good Christian out of you? Is that social media account, is that really producing good things in your life? It might be, uh, it might be for some people okay, but for you it's not producing good things. Nothing less than holiness. I want nothing less than holiness. Let our heart, not my will, but yours be done. Come on, church. Let what we're planting tonight is going to be miraculous in a couple years. The culture we're planting tonight will produce a church of revival tomorrow. Dig deep. Dig deep and plant it in that soil of your heart. Let the word go deep tonight. That's it. God's helping uproot some things that have been in your life for years. Uproot the bitterness. Uproot the envy. Uproot the hatred. And plant love, joy, peace in its place.
He's changing me, making me what I should be. I want to be more and more like Him. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more like Him. Every day He's changing me. Come on, let's pray for just a little bit longer, church. Let's take a few more moments. I want nothing less than Come on, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Not my will, but thine be done. Let our hearts become as one, Lord, I pray you'll see. When you look at me, nothing less. Than holiness. I want nothing less than holiness. Not my will, but thine be done. Let our hearts become as one, Lord. I pray you'll see when you look at me. Nothing less than holiness. I want nothing less than holiness. Not my will, but thine be done. Let our hearts become as one, Lord, I pray you'll see when you look. Lift up your hands all across this building. Come on, you're here tonight because you want to produce good fruit. Hallelujah. Come on. You want to produce the right things. There's a reason that Jesus started this conversation about producing good fruit with beware. 
Because he told another parable of a man that sowed good things in his field. And then when he woke up the next day, his field didn't just have what he planted. There were, the Bible says, tares as well, which are weeds. And that man said this, an enemy hath done this. You know why we got to be conscientious and watchful, sober and vigilant, as the Bible says? Because there is an adversary that wants to plant all sorts of weird ideologies, philosophies. He wants to wrap it up in, in seemingly good. What it, oh, this is good. It's not. Well, this, is, this, this content's not that bad, right? It's wrapped up in good intentions. But it's a tear. And the enemy wants to come by in the field that God's planted, and he planted good things in our life. And he wants those good things to grow. And the adversary comes by, and he wants to start planting things in your life and in my life and in the church that are going to steal the nutrients from the good stuff. Anybody's got a garden, you know. You could, if you leave those weeds, they just multiply. You know the difference between a, a weed and a, and a plant? You have, to, you, have to, you have to work really hard to make the plant grow. <laughs> Amen. If it's, and I preached about it last week, if it's easy, it's, I'm not saying everything's easy is bad, but if it takes little to no effort, it's probably not the best thing. If it's the easy route, the convenient route, come on, probably not the route you need to take your family. Well, it just, man, it just distracts them. Well, kids had imaginations when I grew up. <laughs> Amen. We need some adults with imaginations, too. Get off Facebook. Amen. Some folks living on Facebook. That metaverse is a reality for some folks. They living on social media. Get off of it. Praise God. That's for free. You know, why, do I, why am I talking about all this? Because every day there's an enemy of your soul, false prophets, if you will, put it in that context, that has got seeds of weeds that it wants to plant in your life. And it comes across as we scroll. And that seed gets planted. And when we're watering the good stuff, we also are inadvertently watering the bad stuff too. So we got to be vigilant, church about the good things God's planted in our life, we must guard and protect. We must guard and protect the good stuff God's put in our life. As a church, as the pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm just the chief gardener, praise God. I'm trying to make sure the good stuff God's planting stays in the ground. And the bad stuff the enemy starts planting gets uprooted. There is, there is a culture that God is developing through ARC that years down the road, if we keep taking care of the good stuff, let me tell you, the fruit that's going to be produced is incredible. I already come to church, and I already, I already feel the love of God. I already feel the, the power of God's presence. I already feel the love of God's people when I come to church. But can you imagine if we keep watering that, what people are going to feel when they walk in 10 years from now? I already feel the passion of God's people. But can you imagine if we keep watering that for the next 10, 20, 30 years if Jesus tarries? What that will produce. I already feel an atmosphere 
of love and acceptance and welcoming. Imagine what will happen if we keep watering that. But the devil wants to come in and sow discord among the brethren. He wants to come in and get you bitter at somebody. Get you bitter at the church, bitter at the pastor. An enemy hath done this. You got to uproot that junk. Whew. Because 10 years from now, you don't want the fruit that comes from that. You want the good fruit that God's planted. Let's lift up our hands one more time and let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Oh, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for every good thing. and every. The Bible says every good and perfect gift that comes down, it comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. You don't change. You give us good things. You plant good things in our soil. You plant good things in our life. Every good thing that's been planted, it came from you. And, Lord, I pray, help me to be sober and to be vigilant over everything the adversary wants to plant in my mind, to plant in my heart, amen, that wants to try to trick me and, and deceive me into accepting accepting its message. But Lord, I don't want the fruit that that's being produced. I want the good fruit of the good things of God being produced. I want the good things that you're planting in ARC to be planted in my life, Jesus. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. Go out and plant some good things and Jesus' name, God bless you.